podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the One Short Podcast, the Sports Gazette's official cricket podcast. We're back, third podcast so far, another week down, or half a week down, I should say, in the Cricket World Cup. Some interesting results we'll be talking about. Let's jump right in, though, with Australia versus India. Big fixture, opening week, and it was an absolute cracker as well. India won by six wickets with about 50 balls to spare. The Aussies started all right, uh, 110 for two before collapsing to 199 all out. India then had a really slow start, were two for three at one point before managing to chase it down with Virat Kohli and KL Rahul. Ayush, what a game it was. Tense times for India. However, they managed to get it done. What did you make of their, their bowling attack first? Jadeja, you picked out in our, in our first episode as a possible player of the tournament. Had a great game, took three wickets and bowled really nicely. Yeah, Jadeja, my man. He uh, There's a reason I picked him uh, in these conditions. Yeah, okay, Chennai was... Chennai. He, he's more suited to Chennai than most other bowlers, given... Uh, he's played the IPL there and so much other experience playing on these wickets too. But I, th- I think his batting is also going to come into the picture very soon. And especially, like you mentioned, tense times at, you know, three for two, three wickets, two runs. Uh, there is going to come a situation where Ravindra Jadeja coming in at seven will have to bail the team out. And it's going to be really interesting to see. He's a clutch player. I think he's going to do it with bat and ball uh, at this World Cup. You'd hope so. He is absolutely world-class. Michael, it was tough times for the Aussies. They they started all right, as I said, 110 for two. Um, Warner made 40, Steve Smith made 46, Lavashane 27. And then after that, no one else really made any runs. Mitch Stark had a bit of a swing down the order. What do you think happened to this Aussie batting lineup? Well, I think we saw the, the skill level of India's spin, to be honest, um, and how important it was on that pitch. You know, when you compare the spin of Australia to the spin of India, the results were just so different. Adam Zampa had a bit of a stinker, to be honest. I think he conceded about 53 runs. No wickets. We're starting to see the effects already of that Ashton Agar injury. I mean, and we're seeing in the news stuff about Nathan Lyon coming out. Will he be called up as a kind of SOS, in an SOS situation? You know, it could be interesting. Um, so yeah, I think it, it's a bit worrying for India. I mean, Australia, sorry. And a good start from India. Yeah, really, really good start there. Ayush, Michael mentioned that there's no other spin option in that squad. Travis Head is injured at the moment, possibly as another part-timer. Do you think that in the long term this could really hurt Australia's chances in the World Cup? That if if Adam Zampa has a bad game or even gets injured, they haven't really got another option out there? Definitely. I agree. And even with Michael, what he said, Ashton Agar is a huge miss. We knew that even you know even before this match when uh, Ega was injured and he sat out because you just look at it, they've just got Zampa as that one specialist spinner. Ashton Ega's replacement was Labushain. So they're focusing more on the batting. It looks like they're a little bit worried over there that they wanted to add an extra batter. Yeah, Labushain's in form, we get it, but still. Maxwell is the other option. Sometimes Labushain, Steve Smith, it's just not enough to win a World Cup in India. And Zampa should have done much better than he did in that first ODI. Looking very, very shaky, especially on that Chennai wicket. 
so big problems definitely big problems maybe i'm maybe i'm rethinking australia as one of my semi final picks who knows yeah we might have to revisit all of our uh, predictions at the end of at the end of this podcast and and we can maybe make a couple changes if you want to put it on the record at least but yeah michael india did bat extremely well after their initial collapse three ducks in their top 4 rohit sharma not off 6 ishan kishan golden duck not off 1 shreyas iyer not off 3 However, around that, Virat Kohli made a great 85 from 116 balls, and Kara Hall, unlucky not to get to that 100, 97 from 115. How well did those two bat together? Yeah, it was it was crucial for India that those two stayed in and had a kind of steady partnership. I think um, the the drop of Kohli was uh, was it when Mitch India Marsh. were twenty? Yeah. yeah, by Mitchell Marsh. Uh, that's massive. I think that that was uh, that swung the game for India. To be honest. Um, because if Kohli went out at that point, psychologically the damage that would do to the rest of the Indian batting order would be massive. But yeah, it seems like Kohli's getting all the all the attention, all the praise when KL Rahul arguably played, had a better knock than him. So don't know what that says about um, the media's approach to Kohli. I think it's an interesting point you bring up there. I don't know what you think about it, Ayush, but with, with KL Rahul, he's sort of been in and out of the squad's He's played all right in test matches, uh, but never quite been there. Similar in the T20 and ODI, he's got decent records, but never really first name on the team sheet. Virat Kohli, on the other hand, golden boy of, the, of India. Do you think that it is just because he's an ex-captain, he's the, the big name out there that everyone wants to try and sort of put the plaudits on him? Or, or do you think he just batted better and Rahul got a bit luckier? It, it takes me back to maybe 15 years ago with Tendulkar and Rahul Dravid being in a similar situation. It's ironic Rahul Dravid's in the dressing room as well right now as head coach of this team. But yeah, it's, it's, it is that focus on one guy. Of course, both of them batted exceptionally well. But I think Rahul's innings was better. And he did manage to get the team over the line as well. So he should be getting more of the credit. Just makes me think of him actually being right now on current form. I think he is the best batter in the team. I, would, I definitely did not see it coming after, you know, a surgery and uh, six or seven months out, whatever it was, comes in right away. I think he's averaging, what, at least 80-ish, 80-90 or something in those since the start of the Asia Cup. So, yeah, definitely deserves more credit. Yeah, he really does. It'll be interesting to see, I guess, throughout the rest of the tournament, how it might progress. If Carroll keeps making runs, you think eventually they'll have to give him some plaudits, the Indian media. However, it's Tuesday right now and England have just beaten Bangladesh in what was a much more comfortable game for the English team. Won by 137 runs, much better than last week against New Zealand. Michael, unbelievable from them. Dawid Malan in particular, 140. Brilliant knock from him. Has he cemented a side in the team? Because there are always a bit of question marks, especially after his performance last week. Definitely. He's definitely cemented his place in the team. And I think the... The decision to drop uh, Jason Roy is definitely looking like the right one now. He just looks so confident. Against New Zealand, you know, he didn't have a good innings. He went out early. But as did, you know, the most of the rest of the England batters, bar Joe Root and, I guess, Joss Butler. So, yeah, David Milan, really good. 100-run um, partnership with Johnny Bairstow uh, and... Did he get 150 run partnership with Joe Root? Maybe it was something like that. It was it was big, um, and I think the the batters lower down in England's order kind of let 
him down, to be honest, because they should have capitalised more on the platform that him and Joe Root built. I think it was really... They were in an amazing position. They should have pushed 400. You saw with South Africa smashing it about on the weekend. Um, I think the likes of Butler, Livingston, Brooke should have done better. But, yeah, great performance from England. They're definitely back to their best from this one performance, Ayush. Michael touched on it there that the lower order really sort of didn't stand their ground. England at one point were almost 300 for two um, in the 40th over and they just collapsed much lower total than they would have, have liked to have got to. What do you think happened with that lower order? Yeah, the, it's one of those cases again, I think with everyone just trying to, it could be two things. One, like I was saying, everyone trying to just kind of hit everything, see the ball, hit the ball and then just holding out or just throwing the wickets away or maybe something in the wicket as well that started to you know affect them because we then did see how England were on right on top of the of Bangladesh in their bowling innings as well right away restopley starring there so yeah it's not it's not every day that all 11 players from the team are going to score are going to get into double digits so i think it was just a case of at that point they felt that okay we've got enough You've got enough against this Bangladesh team on this wicket. So, yeah, let's just go for it. Hail Mary. I mean, uh, a few unlucky shots, I'm sure, in there. Liam Livingston getting a first baller. Um, you almost can't blame people when, they're, when they get out first ball. It's going to be a good nut sometimes. And he's trying to go from ball one, which is what Liam Livingston does. On to the bowling front. You mentioned there, Ayush. But Reese Topley, Michael, was unbelievable. Um, pretty much tore through that Bangladesh top order. Had them two down inside the second over, um, two and two balls, ended up with four just on his own. How good was Reese Topley? Yeah, well, he didn't play against New Zealand, so he's come in for Moeen Ali today, and yeah, he looked really good. Um, that first over you just mentioned there, two and two balls, which is really, really good for England because I think Mark Wood and Chris Wokes looked off it against uh, New Zealand last week. And I think well, Mark Wood looked better today, good economy, picked up a wicket. But yeah, I think Reese Topley's definitely needed in that bowling attack. His pace, uh, left arm, is going to be crucial for England in this tournament. And staying with you, Michael, you predicted Litton Das and Tanzid Hassan as the Bangladeshi openers, of, of two of the sort of standout players you thought for them. Hassan didn't perform particularly well today, he got one off two, but Litton Das brilliantly almost carried his bat through it felt like um scored 76 from 66 at the top of the order for bangladesh how, how good was he and i mean he really tried to, to to dominate that england attack yeah i do my research you know i, I uh i've seen Litton das play a few times he looks really good uh that opening partnership i think they'll do well in the tournament uh, and he played well um today Litton das as well um so yeah be very important. Tanzid Hassan, not so much. Um, and some of my other predictions aren't looking great from that first podcast. I'm sure we'll get on to that. And then, Ayush, England are now 50% win rate. Nowhere near where they'd want to be at this rate. Obviously, you've got a long time left in this tournament. How do you see them progressing throughout the rest of it? And do you think the team will keep changing sort of week on week or game on game? I'm still a beat about England. And I'm sticking with my original prediction for now. We'll see how that goes. Uh... But I think, yeah, I think there will not be too many changes. You don't want that. No one no one wants that, especially in a World Cup. Yeah, one change we're definitely going to see is when Ben Stokes is back. 
someone's got to make way for him because he is i mean and i was just talking to michael as well about it earlier probably the most clutch player that we've ever seen in cross formats and especially as the big games keep coming yeah there's no one else you'd rather want than ben stokes when your backs are against the wall so he's definitely going to come in and i do see yeah yeah i was a bit surprised that moin uh was not playing today because he is uh one of your main spinners with adil rashid not at his best best right now moin ali is a lot more crucial but yeah restopley comes in picks four wickets and an early start in dharamshala also probably had a role to play over there in restopley selection so i think those those changes sometimes an extra seamer sometimes an extra spinner that's that's a combination i see them fiddling with depending on conditions but yeah ben stokes is going to be that one eventual change definitely i think when he is fit he will almost certainly walk straight back into the side batting wherever he wants i'm sure but i think it will be interesting to see yeah how how the england's bowling attack adapts and changes throughout you saw in 2019 moan ali was dropped midway through for liam plunkett who came in and performed a really crucial role through those middle overs and i mean we might even get to see gus atkinson and david willey um as options i can't imagine david willey will get many games just because he performs quite a similar role to sam curran chris wokes and reese topley as a sort of new ball bowler so he might have to to wait maybe for an injury or, or a rest of one of those key bowlers but i'd quite like to see gus atkinson at some point i'm a big surrey fan uh, i've seen him play quite a few times he he definitely has that sort of yard more pace than than a lot of this bowling attack other than mark wood maybe um which will be interesting to see do you think with Reese Topley playing so well, is Atkinson really needed though? I think they're quite different bowlers in some ways. I'd say Atkinson's almost more of a Mark Woods replacement or, or injury cover. I think if Topley can keep this going, then then you might not need him as, as Mark Wood will have to bowl less overs and less crucial overs. Um, so you might be able to rest him a bit more during the games almost. But I think with this, with such a long tournament that it will be, um, I'd be surprised if Gus Atkinson doesn't play and if Mark Wood plays every single game just because we know what injury concerns he has and, and, and will bring throughout the tournament, I'd say. But but maybe maybe they'll change it up a little bit and it might be, be a bit more spinner-friendly and they won't need that extra bit of pace or, or the extra seam bowler which we've seen them play so far. During last week's podcast as well, South Africa were midway through an absolute hammering of Sri Lanka. What a game it was. It's the most runs ever in an ODI World Cup. The highest ODI World Cup score ever, um, with South Africa scoring 428 for five. And it also included the fastest ever ODI World Cup 100. Aidan Markram scored 100 from just 49 balls beating Kevin O'Brien's record by just one ball. It also included Rassi van der Dusen and Quinton de Kock hundreds. It was just a game full of records, Michael. It was unbelievable, and Sri Lanka couldn't really stand a chance against this dominant South African batting lineup. Yeah, I think um, South Africa and New Zealand in the first round of fixtures definitely took a few people by surprise. I mean, we none of us had them in our semi-finals predictions. I think we're definitely underestimating them. That batting order is so powerful, so dangerous. There's other batters in that lineup other than uh, De Kock, Van der Dusen and uh, Markram. So yeah, if they 
if they had better bowlers, I think they'd be up there with the favourites. But yeah, really impressive against Sri Lanka. Also, a Sri Lanka team who are, as we're recording this, challenging Pakistan. So no, it's not it's not a pushover. So they did very well on the weekend. Yeah, it is a very good Sri Lanka side, as shown by getting to that Asia Cup final just a few weeks ago. But back onto that South African side, Ayush, they were just so class with the bat. Do you think, though, that the lack of all-rounders in their side might cost them throughout the tournament, maybe if they lose a few early wickets? Or, or do you think that the batting is just so strong that, that actually by dividing almost down the middle five bowlers and, and six batters, that that's almost their best option? You have to think that these that the lack of all-rounders will come back to bite them at some point. But the way all of these guys are batting and with, you know, the kind of quality that they have is just difficult to think that, you know, it's going to be that big a deal. Yeah, Klaassen, I mean, he, he was good, but he didn't really get to show his full range as well the other day. He's yet to play uh, one of those earth-shattering knocks that we that we are used to from Heinrich Klassen. So he's going to come into the picture as well sometime. Yeah, it's 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 a very interesting uh, point to talk about there, whether these all-rounders, uh, the lack of those quality-quality all-rounders will come back to hurt them because Marco Janssen, it's too much to expect from him to, you know, be that game-changer, someone like a Hartik Pandya. Uh, I know I, I did I did speak a lot about all-rounders. I raved a lot about them uh, in our first episode of the podcast. But uh, it'll be interesting to see. It could go either way, actually. I think this batting unit does have the potential for many more 350 scores going forward. Yeah, I mean, I think their tail, in my opinion, could hurt them. Even if it's just in one or two games, um, I would be surprised if they went the whole tournament without any sort of collapse I mean they've got I think it's Gerald Coetzee uh, in at number 8 who's quite a young guy 23 I want to say um, averages 18 in list A cricket so it's not bad batting at, batting record but it's pretty much goes downhill when when you look at the rest of his stats I, I think the one thing that maybe goes in favour of South Africa that we didn't take into consideration to just two weeks ago is that they only really need to fail twice like less than twice sorry um or three times even and they'll still likely get through to that semi-final and once you're there that's when it's really going to kick in um to just a bit of luck and, and who's in form who just has that miracle knock which the South African batting lineup really does is just stacked with batters who will just come off on some days and and as shown by this if three of them come off there they're almost going to be impossible to, to face do you think that Sri Lanka can be ruled out now, though, Ayush, even with being dominated so badly? Or, or do you think that, that actually that's just a one-off and, and no one could have really played South Africa on that day? With Sri Lanka, I think they bounced back pretty well. Again, I think it would be a little, little too premature to say that, OK, that they've still gotten a chance because there are certainly many, many places where, you know, they lack the quality. Or, or they like that pedigree that some of the other top teams, top contenders have. So I don't think that we're going to see them really shock everyone and make that semi-final. It would be it would be really interesting if they do. But they did bounce back well with, you know, a th- almost 350 score against Pakistan. It's going to be very interesting to see how they go ahead. But yeah, to answer the question, I don't think... 
I don't think we're seeing them win as many games as you need to make it into the semi-final in this kind of format. I guess there's only one we can find out is that by and that's by watching the uh, the rest of the tournament. Yeah. Michael, England's first game was against New Zealand's. It was an absolute brilliant performance by that Kiwi batting lineup in particular, specifically Ravindra and Devon Conway, who both put on a on a decent showing again against the Netherlands to to help the team to 322. No one made it past 70 in that lineup. Will Young top scored, who got a first baller in that England game. This just makes the, the Williamson debate conundrum uh, even more confusing now. How, how do you think uh, New Zealand will look to, to fit him back into that 11? I don't think it'll be much of a debate, to be honest. I think Ratch and Ravindra will just drop down the order a little bit. Chapman will come out. Because Ratch and Ravindra has been bowling really well. Bowled really well against England. I was really impressed. Uh, 23 years old. And he's batting amazingly. You can't, you can't take him out of that side after century against England and half century against the Netherlands and yeah they really dismantled the Netherlands yesterday who did look good against Pakistan you know they challenged Pakistan who were obviously an amazing team so yeah New Zealand have definitely gone into my predictions for the semi-finals now the amount of batting depth they have I think is a bit underrated Santa was used to come in at nine against England who's a really good batter and with Lockie Ferguson and Tim Salvi coming back from injury lots of impressive players they just continue to thrive in the world cup their squad is really really well balanced you, you do have to admit that interesting that you think Ravindra will will just slide down the order with Chapman coming out sort of where he batted I guess uh, against England in those sort of warm-up ODIs but it's quite a different position batting at, at number three than the number seven or, or even number six maybe if they try and squeeze him in there how do you think he'd fare sort of sliding down the order I think he could do well. He's he, He's got the ability to take the attack as well. That's what you need from your number six, number seven, to come in and not take a lot of time to settle in. Yeah, he's more, he looks like more of a traditional player who will, you know, grind it out there and then go for the big hits. Uh, but I think he's going to do well. Again, because it's confidence. He's, con- he's confident right now. When you're playing well, put the batter anywhere he can play well. So that we've seen that in the past as well. And if he can ride on the kind of momentum that he has right now, he could might as well go out there and play those 20-ball 40s or 30-ball 50s that would be needed from a number 6 or 7. The Netherlands, on the other hand, struggles a little bit again. They're, they're showing glimpses of, of the skill that we know that they have. But they don't quite seem to be able to lay, lay it all together, losing by 99 few decent performances. Colin Ackerman, though, a nice 69. And uh, Baz Dalid is your new favourite, Michael. What do you make of him and, and how far do you think he can go? He can go right to the very top, Toby. No, he's really good. Well, we started at Babar Azam fan club in the first episode and I think he's going to have to change to the Baz Dalid fan club now because Babar Azam has been not very good in his first two games whilst Dalid has just continued to impress. I think he was... Really good in that first game, scored 67 runs, four wickets, good economical bowling as well. So, yeah, I think he just looks so good. Um, he's kind of got that Netherlands team on his back a little bit. I mean, there's some other good players, you know, Singh, who opens the bat, and he's, he's good. Ackerman, like you said, good innings, but I think he's definitely their bright spark. And whilst I don't think Netherlands will get to the semi-finals, they'll definitely challenge some of the big teams like they did against Pakistan and Dalid is the main reason for that, I think. Mitch Santner also had a brilliant game. 
against the Netherlands. Scored 36 from just 17 with the bat before taking a very tidy fifer. He's obviously had quite a lot of experience playing in the IPL, so knows the Indian conditions quite well, but it really seemed to suit him just the, the way he is quite a tall bowler. Do you think that he's going to have to keep taking wickets at, at this rate for this New Zealand side to, to continue, or have they got a sort of well-rounded attack that between them all they'll they'll be able to to take enough wickets and keep the economy low enough no i think he's going to have to keep picking wickets mitchell sand is going to be very crucial uh to new zealand's chances going forward with ish sodi also in and out uh you know and when he's in there he's not uh you know his his best self yet mitch sand is going to be very crucial going forward Rachin Ravinder has also been doing well with the ball. We've been seeing that. Glenn Phillips got Joe Root in the first match. So, yeah, their part-timers are also pretty useful. They're more than useful, actually. But with more wear and tear on these wickets as well, going forward in this World Cup, uh, where even the tracks that we are seeing right now that are favouring the batters more or maybe favouring the paces more, with the wear and tear, the spinners will come in, uh, come into play even more going forward in this World Cup. Because we're playing in India on these kind of pitches. So Mitch Santner has to keep going. He, New Zealand, I don't think, can afford from a bowling perspective for Santner to kind of take his foot off the pedal. Yeah, no, definitely. It'll be exciting to see what he can do for the rest of the tournament. Speaking of, Australia taking on South Africa, the red-hot side right now on Thursday. Michael, I'll come to you first. What are your predictions for it? Who's going to win? Who's going to score runs? Who's going to take wickets? Well, Australia didn't start well against India, of course. Um, but I think we'll see them bounce back a little bit against South Africa. I think we'll see Steve Smith have a good innings, David Warner have a good innings. You know, um, when you compare India's bowling bowlers to South Africa's, you know, there's no competition really. Uh, India's are much better, so I think we'll see the class of the Australia batting lineup come out. And you know, in Steve Smith, Manish Labuschagne. And David Warner, you've got three batsmen there who are just solid, um, hard to get out. I mean, I don't really like Steve Smith and Marnus Labuschagne at three and four because they're just so similar and it's a bit boring, to be honest. But you can't deny their class. And I think Australia will actually beat South Africa. And all the hype around South Africa will die down a little bit. But it will definitely be... An amazing game, one for the one for the neutral for sure. It's a bold prediction. I like it. Ayush, what are you, what are you thinking? Who's who's going to win that that tussle? I'm going to go the other way, South Africa. Uh, it's it'll be it'll actually be it'll make it more interesting that Australia, being Australia, five time champions and whatever, have just lost the first two matches of the World Cup, which I don't think many people would have seen coming. But I think South Africa will get the job done again. Uh, riding high on this on this momentum that they have, we are yet to see the best of Kagiso Rabada. We might just see that against this Australian lineup. Having said all of that, it's going to be a great match. I'm really looking forward to it. It's one of the key clashes of this week. Even with India Pakistan coming up, it's it's going to be the biggest match of this week. You know that we have, but Australia South Africa I think is right up there. Really excited to see how it works out. I'm gonna suggest that I think Australia will win just because if they lose it they'll have lost both their first games as you mentioned and I think that's basically would be them out of the tournament they pretty much couldn't lose another game maybe get away with losing one more and I just don't think this Australia side 
would sort of allow that or, or, or like that. Plus the South African spin attack isn't anywhere near as sort of potent as, as that um, Indian one, which was really the downfall of, of the Australian batsmen. Um, so I think the Aussies might just clinch it, but I think it will be a great game, particularly if it's a flat pitch. There's going to be a lot of runs, and I wouldn't be surprised if the if the rec- the run record was broken again. Maybe another fastest fifty, fastest hundred. Um, but I'd I'd like to see that personally. And it w- it was these two teams that were involved, if you remember, in that uh, in one of the greatest games that we've seen in ODIs. Uh, Australia, South Africa chased down more than four thirty many many years ago. Wouldn't be like a repeat of that. That would be unbelievable, wouldn't it? And then quickly before we finish, we'll have a quick look at our predictions again. I'll start with you, Aish. You uh, you suggested England in a win, and you're happy to stay with that? Very happy to stay with that. I'm glad that they uh, did not let me down further against Bangladesh. Yeah, I, I also predicted England. I was very worried, not going to lie, after that first performance. I might change it to India. Oh. I think just they were... A lot more dominant than I thought they'd be and, and convincing in that first match against Australia. And I think they were always going to be the favourites, but I thought they might choke and, and that was their biggest hur- one of their biggest hurdles and they, they got over it cleanly. But there is still a long tournament to go. You also went for player of the World Cup, Ravi Jadeja. Sticking, sticking with that, absolutely. Rightfully so, I'd say. With most runs, Virat Kohli, who's not far off the top at the moment. Yeah, Virat Kohli is just getting started. Mm. And, he, and he's going to be knowing, I mean, having seen him over the years... He's going to be really pissed that he could not get that 100. He's going to be angry at himself. He's going to make sure one of these next couple of games, that 100 comes. And most wickets, Mitch Stark, who just took the one in that first match. It's it's obviously only one game down. Do you think he's going to mop up the South Africans? Or would you like to change your prediction? Well, it's interesting because that, that's the one prediction I'm a little bit on the edge about. I could have gone Shaheen Afridi, but... Oh. He's struggling so far, isn't he? He really is. That that was my prediction, and I will definitely be changing that. I reckon. I think Reese Topley. He, it's only one game, but but I think I'm sticking with the left armour. I think it's highly likely the left armour will take it, and really impressed by him. Also, Mitch Santner, as we, we've talked about before. You also went for Mitch Stark, though, Michael. Happy with your choice? Yeah, I'm going to stick with it. I think Mitch Stark's quality, and that will show. It's only been one game that Australia have played. Yeah, just give him time. He was playing against the best team in the tournament. Yeah, and he's still got a wicket. He's going to be the highest wicket taker. Trust me. Trust me on that one. I'm looking forward to it. You also then went for your winning team, Pakistan, and the player of the World Cup and the most runs, Babar Azam. How happy are you with this choice right now? Yeah, I might have to change that one. Uh, It's not looking as good, especially at the time of recording. Pakistan struggling against Sri Lanka. Babar Azam again went out early. But look, Babarazam's class, no one can deny that. I think um, his performance against India on Saturday is massive. I think that will be an amazing game, but we're going to review that on the podcast on Friday, not this one. But I also did mention Dawid Milan in my highest run scorer, and I'd like to change it now to Dawid Milan. The Babarazam fan club is no more. It's now the Bastelida fan club, and Dawid Milan's going to be the highest run scorer, and... I'm going to say England are going to win. Ooh, he's joining us. Well, I've left the team, but you've got Michael on your side now, Aish. And your player of the tournament, Baz the lead? Uh, Baz the lead, yeah, of course. No, seriously, um, I'll go for... Uh, Milan. He's going to most runs, and, and I like that, I like that. I went for Joss Butler, player of the tournament, who I'm 
slightly on edge about now. He's he's not had the greatest two first games. I thought he might get it with a few runs. Plus, if England went all the way to the final and won the whole thing, I thought it was a good chance. I will stick with Joss Butler for now. I think he's going to find a bit of form. But, I mean, Joe Root's also a great option right now. Most runs I went Rohit Sharma. And I'm actually happy with that. He, he did get a six-ball duck in that first game, which is less good. But I think he'll get back on it. Maybe Shubman Gill, a lot of pundits went with. Uh, if he gets fit again, I know he um, he had quite bad flu um, before the game, so he was he was out for that. So he should be back soon, I think. Australia, South Africa on Thursday, and filming the next podcast on Friday, uh, which will be out on Friday. So look forward to that one. I'm also looking forward to who joins this the fan club that we have. Which player this week is going to be, uh, you know, one of those guys who joins Barbara Azam and Bass to lead in this one-shot board fan club that we have over here. Yeah, I reckon by the end of it, we'll have pretty much at least a player from every team, probably a couple, which will be exciting. Any predictions, Ayush, as to who Michael next indoctrinates into the fan club? For me, it's Rachin Ravindra. I'm clear on that. Uh, Just two matches in, we've seen him in the past as well, but two World Cup matches in, I'm already a huge fan. We mentioned last time as well, four years ago, he was sitting in a pub in Bangalore, and watching the final between England and New Zealand and first two matches of the next World Cup, he's already a star. No one who scored a century against England can go in the fan club, I'm afraid. <laughs> but I do really like Ravindra. <laughs> we love that little bit of bias. And that is all we have time for. Make sure you listeners head over to the Sports Gazette website where we all have articles out at the moment. I've got one on the Dutch cricket team and sort of maybe seeing how far they can go in this tournament. Ayush has a great piece out about the West Indies and and the lack of their involvement in this tournament and Michael filled us in on the five things we learned from the first week of the World Cup and that'll be coming to you pretty much every week different authors throughout different ideas and yeah so make sure you head over to www.sportsgazette.co.uk to see all of our articles as well as everyone else on the Sports Gazette hundreds of articles coming out every every week it seems like thank you all for listening and we'll see you in a few days for our next episode Podcast Network.